2: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com
1: slash weight loss.
2: What's up, everybody? You are listening to another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen. And in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of hospitality. I was watching a video clip that I'm going to play in just a moment, about what it means to be hospitable. This is an interesting idea because I imagine that most of us aren't thinking about the best way to receive people in our homes every day. But even if you don't think about it all the time, I bet there are still some particular things you do when you have a guest in your house. And there could also be some things that other people do to make you feel welcome in their home that you find extremely strange. And this is what makes the subject so interesting to me, because the idea of how to treat someone well can depend almost 100% on where you were born and where you were raised. So it's important to consider someone's background when you're trying to communicate effectively, you know? So let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into the episode. I'm going to play a clip from the Joe Rogan Experience, episode 1237, that's episode 1237, with... American comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. Now I'll put a link to the video and also um, more information about Sebastian in the show notes for this episode. So take a minute and go visit the website lifeinenglish.net slash EP47. All right, lifeinenglish.net slash EP47. And you can read a transcript of this episode, also access the video and any more information that I mentioned. during this episode, all right? Now, after I play the clip, I'm going to share an article that I think you'll find interesting as well, and then we'll get out of here. That'll be it for this episode, all right? So, here we go. Let's check out that first clip.
0: Do you have any other hobbies outside of uh, comedy and...
1: Um, I'm not a big hobby guy. But right? Growing up, my parents always used to say, do you, what are you interested in? Do you do anything? So, uh, well, they got to be happy now, right? <laughs> yeah. No, and they're no, like, no, holy they're... shit, look, it worked out. <laughs> my hobby is uh, stand-up comedy, really. I mean, um, I like to cook, don't get me wrong. I like to travel. Um, my wife and I really, really enjoy going to different places. And uh, I love hotels. It's, uh, I mean, and these aren't really hobbies. It's just... Uh, I like hospitality, so that's my that's my passion. Uh, I like having uh, people over at the house and uh, making them feel good. That's that's what I like to do. I like to entertain. Um, if I find out you like a specific drink or you like something, that's uh, you know, I, I take I take notice of what people like. So when you come to my house, I got what you like there. That's I, very Italian. It's very. Very Italian. <laughs> and um, I've always had, you know, I work for the Four Seasons Hotel, and uh, that chain taught me to anticipate people's needs. So anytime I have anything at my house, whether it be a birthday party, a get-together, if it's going to be a fight, I make sure when you come over, you are taken care of not only with your alcohol needs. Here's one. I ain't a pot guy, right? I don't, I don't smoke pot. You want to start? Listen. <laughs> but I got pot at the house just in case you want some. Really? So I thought, you know, you have alcohol, you have beer, right. you have scotch, you have wine. Right. So what if what if someone doesn't have a, a, a taste for alcohol and they want a joint? Wow. I got a couple of
0: joints. will you get it from PDC from the comedy store? I
1: think I got it from... Uh, Gino from L.A. No. Speedway. <laughs> No, I think it's uh what's the med med? Men? Yeah, med Men. Yeah, I went yeah. in there. You went in there specifically just for hospitality. Hospitality. I mean yeah. <laughs> come on. If you came over and I go, Joe, you want a joint? And you're like, Yeah, you want to smoke it? No, I don't smoke, but you know, there. Have at it. Just to have. Right. Even a cigar. I got cigar. I don't smoke cigars. You want one? I got it. <laughs> I don't know. I get, a, I get joy in making others
0: happy. So when you looked at your house, did you look at your house and go, this is a good house to entertain in? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Because um, I always see that, like when you see like a YouTube video on a home, and they're showing the home, so a wonderful entertainer's home, like mm-hmm. an entertainer's
1: home. That's what I. What, do.
0: what does that mean? A singer? Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Man. <laughs> Guy's playing the piano. What does
1: that mean? I like I like a living room that right. bleeds into the kitchen. All oh, right, that's I that's I like that. Uh, right, right. There's not really a uh, a wall in between yeah. the two. It's got to be, and then I like indoor outdoor. You live in California. I like the ability yes. to go outside. Maybe you want to have a drink outside. Side and bring it back in. Yeah, I just, I just like the different. That's what they. That's what they're talking about when it's an entertainment. I like a fire outside. Oh, a yeah, fire, a fire yeah. pit. Fire pit. Do you try to bring people? Like, if you have a party, do you try to bring people over that you think would have interesting conversations? Yes. Um, although we have a problem at this particular point, we're in a transition period. Um, we have a child, so I don't know if you went through this, but. A lot of uh, sometimes when you're coming from a a single couple, but a couple with no kids and now you have kids. Now you're you're finding other people who have kids. Right. So that's where we're in. We're uh, we're not yet into the preschool. uh, So we're kind of in limbo. We're looking uh, for new friends. Not that our old friends are are bad. It's just now we have other obligations. We have a child. We can't we maybe can't go out. To dinner at eight o'clock at night, when we, like we used to now we 're now we're looking to bring it to the house. yeah,
0: no, I know exactly what you're saying. We went through that exact same transition, and a lot of times you pick up some dead weight along the way. <laughs> running these people, and the only thing they have in common is the kids of the same age, and then yeah. you have to talk to some fucking guy, oh, and they give you ear beatings about their job, yeah. and you just like you, you just some people are just not interesting it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you do run into that where you you meet a guy like I went to a toddler group uh, last week. Mm. Now, some sometimes I do this, obviously, because I want to hang out with my daughter. But sometimes the material that comes out of going to something like that is gold. Yeah. Now, it's me, 15 women and a, a gay guy at this toddler group. Right. So I mean, it's just like it's almost writing. It it like writes itself. Yeah. Although I'm in a in a circle, sitting uh, Indian style. Hell, I I mean it's it's strange, but man, it's that's the things I want to do because I feel. If I live more of my life, I could draw so much more humor from it, and it's it's a it's 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 two pronged. It's I want to hang out with my family, and I want to and I want to talk to people who are living these life experiences because what I've noticed is I want to keep the same kind of lifestyle I've had when I wasn't successful, because I feel when you start detaching yourself from the daily routine let's say even going to target if you have somebody go to target for you you don't, you miss out on like what happens on a day-to-day and i want to still keep that rich and 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 uh, available to me
2: all right y'all so first i want to say don't feel too bad if you couldn't understand everything that was said during the clip because they both speak pretty fast and they probably use some words or expressions that you never heard before. But again, if you want to read a transcript of this entire episode, also get explanations of things that were said during the clip. If you want to watch the video instead of just listening, you can visit lifeinenglish.net slash ep47. That's lifeinenglish.net slash ep47. All right. Now let's get on to the episode. Before we get into the episode. (laughs) I want to define the word hospitality just so we're always on the same page. Now, according to Google, I just straight up Googled this. The definition of hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. That's hospitality. All right. So now when I think about hospitality, I think about hotels and houses. Obviously, these aren't the only places you can be hospitable, but These are the places that I think of. So looking at hotels, you could say that a lot of businesses these days are based on luxury or entertainment. Right. But the businesses that are based on necessity are the ones that don't really have to worry about the state of the economy as much as other businesses. Right. They don't have to worry as much about the demand for their product. Think about companies that sell bottled water, for example. Like, isn't it insane that bottled water is a one hundred billion with a B. One hundred billion dollar industry and all they sell is water. Like many times there's not even anything special about the water, you know? There's no minerals or nutrients or anything like that. It's just a plain old bottle of water with a label that says purified. You know? Now hotels are another one of those businesses. Now obviously A hotel is not as much of a necessity as water, but people are always going to travel. And when they travel, they need a place to stay, right? That's a product that just makes sense. Now, Airbnb has created some competition for the hotel industry, but there are still millions of people who really don't like the idea of staying in someone else's home. Like my parents, for example, they don't like the idea of Airbnb or couch surfing or a fucking hostel or anything like that. You know, so there's still, I think, maybe not always, but I imagine for a very long time, there will be a market for hotels. That's my point. But what's the problem with hotels? The lack of familiarity, in my opinion, of course. Every hotel I've ever been to felt like a hotel. Just a big building with bedrooms and bathrooms inside. I've never been to a hotel that, you know, and felt at home. Before. And you could say it's unrealistic for me to expect to feel at home when I'm in a hotel, but that's the point. To have a really pleasant experience in a hotel, you have to pay ridiculous amounts of money. I never understood why you have to pay so much money to stay one night in a small room with a TV that has 20 channels, a bed that 2,000 other people have slept on, and a bathroom with towels that those same 2,000 people have used you could think about the fact that a hotel is a 24-hour business, right? A hotel never closes. Could you imagine that? If every night at 11 p.m. the hotel turned off all the lights, shut all the doors, and said, Hey, whatever you need, it'll have to wait until tomorrow at 7 a.m. So for that reason, I can understand, you know, the price. They need a way to pay for all the wasted food, electricity, water, and also pay their employees, etc. I get it, you know. But if you contrast that with the house, you know, the idea is still the same in terms of hospitality. We want to find a way to make people feel at home for the duration of their stay, right? We want people to be so comfortable and have such a good time that they're happy they came to visit us. And this is a really interesting thing to think about, you know, because when I was thinking about this, I asked myself, what exactly should you do to make somebody feel comfortable? Everyone is different. So how do you go about or how do you start to find out what makes each person comfortable? Is it possible that the definition of hospitality changes depending on your culture? What does it mean to be hospitable in your country or my country or someone else's country, you know? And when I was reading about the idea of hospitality, I came across this article that talked about a book called Foreign to Familiar by Sarah A. Lanier, I believe is how you say her name. I'll put a link to the book and everything, also the article in the show notes. Now, in this book, uh, the author, Sarah Lanier, she talks about hot cultures and cold cultures. Now, the main difference is that for hot cultures, the most important value is relationships, while for cold cultures, the most important value is efficiency. So I'd like to read some notes from this article and encourage you to think about these traits and see if they apply to you and your culture. All right. So now I'm going to be reading directly from the article that I told you about, but also making, you know, my own comments and reflections at the same time. Okay. so the first question we have is. Which countries fall into the categories of hot and cold when we're talking about culture? Now, according to the book, people or countries that go into the category of hot cultures are people from the Southern United States of America, South and Central Latin Americans, Israelis with a Middle Eastern background, Russians, indigenous Alaskans, Alaskans, (laughs) indigenous Alaskans. Uh, which is people from Alaska, just in case you don't know, Uh, people from the Andes and the Himalayas, Eastern Europeans, Asians, Pacific Islanders, Africans, Mediterraneans, except Jewish Israelis, Middle Easterners, and most of the rest of the world not included in the cold cultures list, which is kind of confusing, but hopefully it'll make more sense now that I'm going to read the cold cultures list. So every country or You know, cultural group or ethnic group that I just mentioned, according to this book, those are included in the hot culture category. Now, the cold culture people are people from the northern United States and Canada, Israelis of European background, Swiss people, and Europeans living in the north of the Swiss. um, The north of the Swiss. I think they mean the north of Switzerland. Um, Caucasians from New Zealand australians southern brazilians south africans and areas largely settled by europeans like argentina all of these places are considered to be homes of cold cultured people now please remember that i'm just reading from an article and also these are just generalizations We cannot generalize millions of people from any country but just uh follow me for the sake of the article and for the sake of the episode all right nobody needs to get offended Okay, these are just generalizations. Now, the first question we have to ask ourselves is what are the key differences between people of hot cultures and cold cultures? All right. One of the main differences is that uh, people from hot cultures tend to build their lives around people and relationships, while people from cold cultures tend to plan in terms of tasks and timelines. All right, Going back to that idea of relationships versus versus uh, efficiency. All right That's one main difference. Another one is the difference between indirect and direct communication. You know, people from hot cultures tend to prefer indirect communication and don't want to harm or damage a relationship by giving an answer that someone does not want to hear. In other words, they'll avoid telling you the truth if that means it's going to hurt your feelings you know, whereas somebody from a cold culture might tend to prioritize direct communication because it gets the job done, you know, it's straight to the point, it's clear, it's honest, you see what I mean? Another key difference between people of hot and cold cultures is the idea of a group identity and the idea of individualism, okay? Hot cultures raise their children to see themselves as part of a larger group, you know, for example, a family or a school or a church or a community or even a city or a country, you know, people from hot cultures will often maintain very close contact with their extended family, often living intergenerational let's try that again, often living intergenerationally under the same roof with their adult Man, I fucked that all up. I'm gonna start that sentence over again. People from hot <laughs> people from hot cultures will often maintain very close contact with their extended family, often living intergeneral. Man, that word is a bitch. Often living intergener- <laughs> intergenerationally, intergenerationally. Fuck, man. All right. This is the last time. I'm just going to start the fucking paragraph over again. Hot cultures raise children who see themselves as part of a larger group, like a family, a school, a church, a community, a country, etc. Now, people from hot cultures will often maintain very close contact with their extended family, often living intergenerationally (laughs) under the same roof throughout their adult lives. In other words... Another way you could say that is people from hot cultures will very often maintain close contact with all of their family members, not just their immediate family members. And many times they will live with many generations inside the same house. For example, you have the grandkids, right? Uh, The kids, the parents, all in the same house. So, for example, I'm 25, which means I have, you know, my nieces and nephews living in the same house as me also my brothers and sisters, also my parents, and maybe even my grandparents, everybody in the same house. The idea is that this is very common for people of hot cultures, okay? Now, cold cultures tend to think more individualistically. In other words, they tend to think, I'll do it my way, or I'll live my life, or I'll do what I want. They don't think about the collective so much, they think more about the individual. And they raise their children to live their own life and, you know, to to make their own decisions and to do things more independently, okay? This is more of a thing of people from a cold culture. Now, another difference, another key difference, and the last one on the list is the difference between inclusion and privacy. Now, because of the group mentality of people from a hot culture, they automatically expect people to be included or to include others in whatever is happening at the moment. Now, people from cold cultures tend to be more individualistic, meaning that they expect to be given, you know, a certain amount of privacy or to be asked if someone else can join the group or the party or the dinner or the event, you know what I mean? So, those are the key differences. Just to recap or just to summarize, the main differences between hot and cold cultures are the following. Relationship orientation versus task orientation indirect communication versus direct communication, the group identity versus individualism, and inclusion versus privacy. All right, so if you need to pause the podcast and sort of just think about that for a second, see if, you know, you and or your family and your your culture fall into one of these two categories, you know, if some things are different, if everything is the same, it's interesting to think about, you know, the way that you behave based on where you're from, you know? But considering or I guess assuming that you either paused already or you don't need to pause, let's continue with the transmission. Now, the next part of this article talks about tips or recommendations for people of cold cultures hosting people of hot cultures. So what does that mean? The following things I'm about to read are suggestions or tips for people Who are from a country or a culture that is considered cold, but they're receiving somebody in their home that is from a country or a culture that is considered to be hot. All right. So if you're someone from a cold culture who's seeking to bridge gaps, right, or let's say make the space in between you and someone else even smaller or get closer to somebody and make a friendship with somebody of a warm culture, these ideas may help. Now, hopefully that sentence Didn't confuse you too much. It was pretty wordy. I paused at some weird times there. That's my bad. That's my bad. But let's continue. Here are some tips for hosting hot cultured people. Small talk. Small talk is important in relationships with people of hot cultures. Getting straight to business or getting straight to the point is part of the cold culture. You know, the task oriented way of visiting with someone. But hot culture people prioritize that feel-good atmosphere, you know? So if you're receiving somebody, you know, from a hot culture in your home, or even if you're just trying to forge a relationship with this type of person, consider making small talk. You know, like me, for example, I hate small talk. <laughs> I really do. I know, I know it's useful. I know that uh, it can lead to much better, deeper, or more productive conversations. But in general, just making small talk about nothing is a drain to me, you know, but for other people, it's like, you know, it's necessary. It makes them feel good. You know, it sets the tone of the conversation or the interaction. You know, it helps people loosen up a little bit. You know, everybody's different, but for me, I hate that shit, but I also know that it can be very effective depending on the situation. You know, another tip that, they, that they've that they given us here is that uh, good hospitality is best offered in your home. And what does that mean? Well, they're saying that a restaurant is impersonal, you know? Now, there may be exceptions to this rule. Like, according to the article, Chinese people, for example, will often take their guests to a nice restaurant, you know? But it's not everybody that thinks this way, you know? Now, an overnight guest from a warm culture may feel hurt or offended if you, you know, make them stay in a hotel instead of letting them sleep at your home when they're visiting, you know what I'm saying? Another thing that they they say here is that uh, you should feel free to spontaneously drop in on your worm culture friend. But don't expect that he will necessarily drop everything he's doing when you arrive. You know, he may just invite you to do whatever he's doing at the moment, you know, whether it's picking up the kids or working in the garden or cooking dinner. So don't expect somebody from a worm culture to just stop everything to give you attention. They might just invite you, hey, do you want to help me cook dinner? Right. So just in case you're not following me, let me make this a little more clear. It's very common in some places, particularly warm culture places to just show up or to just arrive at somebody's house without calling first, without letting them know you're coming and you expect them to let you into their house. You know, this is a very warm culture thing. And I guess what they're trying to say is if you're hosting somebody from a warm culture or if you have a warm culture friend You know, you can behave this way because it it would be totally normal for them. But uh, speaking for myself, and I don't know, I guess most people that I know, I guess in, you know, the United States, North America is considered to be a cold cultured place. I can totally verify for myself and everyone I know. It is not a normal thing to just show up at somebody's house without letting them know you're coming first like maybe for some people obviously there's 300 million people here I can't generalize but everybody I know no you gotta you gotta call before you show up at my house dog because I could be doing anything I might not even be home so for you to just decide I'm gonna get in my car and drive to this person's house and they really expect them to just let me in regardless of what's going on where I'm from that scene is like you know, not disrespect. I mean, disrespectful. It's also just like a lack of courtesy. You know what I'm saying? But the point is everybody's different, you know? So anyway, let's get on with the article. Another tip that they give us here is that you should avoid yes and no questions because that way you won't have to embarrass your friend uh, who is from a warm culture, you know? Like, because for people from a warm culture, being friendly is essential. You know, the way that you ask your questions or you make your statements is very important because you don't want to offend somebody by being too direct, right? A hot culture guest may value making you feel good more than telling you the truth, right? It might be difficult to tell when someone of a hot culture needs to say no, but is simply saying yes because he or she wants to preserve your relationship, right? People of hot cultures will almost always say yes to a direct question because they feel rude if they say no. Now, one way to overcome this and find out the truth about a situation may be to ask indirectly. You know, you might have to ask another person to ask indirect questions around a topic that needs, dis- you know, discussing. Right? Again, for me personally, an idea like this is, um, it's just extra you know what I mean I'm not gonna say it's ridiculous because everybody's you know communicates in different ways but for me it's like bro let's just get to the fucking point why are we wasting time you know what I mean that's just how I feel but you know uh apparently I'm a very cold person anyway (laughs) anyway another tip that they have here is that people from hot cultures often enjoy having someone with them at all times you know, so apparently in the book, the author said that when she was, you know, visiting different places in Africa, the people that were hosting her would purposely put another guest in her bedroom so that she wouldn't have to be alone. The person who wrote this article said she noticed the same thing when she was being hosted by her Indian friends, you know. Uh, they would much rather eat with someone else, you know, and eating alone is difficult for them. And the loneliness of a hot culture person living in a cold culture, you know, place can be overwhelming because he or she is not really used to living life and making so many decisions on his own or on her own. And being aware of this can help you to offer companionship or help in ways that your hot culture friend will really appreciate, you know? Another thing that's uh, important to consider when hosting somebody from a hot culture is that, A longer-term guest from a hot culture who is staying with you may assume that he or she is going to be included in everything that's going on. And they may expect that everything will be shared or done together. So be careful, you know, because your guests may feel offended or hurt if you don't include them in something that you plan to do, right? If you're going to a party and you don't invite them, they might feel like you have a problem with them. You know, if you're going to cook dinner... And you don't offer them some food, you know, if you're going to watch a movie and you don't invite them to watch it with you, maybe they get their feelings hurt because they're expected or they're expecting to be included in all the activities as a guest, you know. Another thing that's uh, typical of, of people from a hot culture is that food is seen as something to be shared. People from hot cultures think that sharing food is a great way to build relationships, you know um this idea that nobody is left out or nobody is left behind nobody is you know going to be forgotten about is really important apparently another thing or another tip that they give us is that usually in hot cultures the host takes care of his overnight guests expenses and the guest brings a gift so as a cold culture host Of a warm, cultured guest, you might even consider giving your guest some spending money if he or she is coming from another country. Um, This one is a little strange. Like, uh, obviously, there's nothing wrong with you know paying for your guest dinner or um, making sure they're taken care of, but like giving them spending money, dog. (laughs) Is this what you do? Like, if you're from a hot culture, I really want to know: is this common where you're from? If you have a guest coming from another place like hey here's 200 bucks go shopping have fun treat yourself because where i'm from that's not a normal thing to do uh anyway that was probably the strangest one on this list for me but let's continue uh it says here in most cultures whenever you invite someone out to eat it means you're paying the bill this one is really complicated man because it really depends on the person i don't know if this is if you can apply this to an entire culture, because in my mind, if somebody asked me, hey, do you want to go get something to eat? I don't assume that they're going to pay for me. You know, I would actually I would. if it's not clear that they're going to pay. Then I would make it clear, you know, what I'm saying I would have to ask, it's like, well, are you buying or what? Because that way you just avoid any kind of confusion, because I imagine there are a lot of people that assume that. You know, if they say, hey, do you want to go get something to eat? It means that they are paying. But other people, it just means, do you want to come with me? I wasn't going to buy you no fucking food. You got a job, nigga. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's just something interesting to think about. And just so you know, if I invite you to get something to eat, I'm paying. Which is why I almost never invite. <laughs> why I almost never invite people to eat with me. <laughs> Uh, All right. So to, again, uh, these are just tips and generalizations. So let's get to the last one on the list for hosting people of a warm culture. The last tip is that uh, whole families are usually included in events outside of the workplace. So people from warm cultures don't really understand the adults only events in the same way that people of cold cultures would. For example, if we have a party here in the United States, it's really common like adults only, don't bring your kids, don't bring, you know, any adolescents, anybody underage, adults only, this is an adult party, whereas in many other places, there's no such thing, if we're having a party, everybody's invited, you know, the kids come, the teenagers come, the adults, the, you know, the, the elders, everybody's involved in the party, and everybody has a good time, you know, it's interesting to think about as well, because, it's totally true. Like, I've I've uh, been to parties where it's adults only. And then I've been to other parties where, you know, everybody's welcome. And uh, I never really stopped to consider that might be a cultural thing, you know. But, anyway, we are at 33 minutes. God damn it. Uh, so, for the sake of time, let me just um, read from the list of things about cold culture. And then we'll close out here, man. I don't want to keep you too long. I just thought this was a really interesting subject to think about, you know, on your own. So those are all the tips and recommendations that they've given us in this article to host or to receive somebody from a warm culture, you know, really focus on the relationships, you know, open but indirect communication, include them in things that are going on, you know, it's it's really important in general to people from a warm culture, right? So now let's talk about some tips or recommendations if you're going to receive somebody from a cold culture. All right. Now, the first one they have for us here is that usually a friend of a cold culture feels respected when you honor his or her time by being punctual. Right. Being on time. Your friend probably thinks in terms of tasks that need to be completed that day and may have other things on his or her schedule. Right. So if you say, hey, let's have lunch at four o'clock, I expect you to be here at four o'clock. You know what I'm saying? Not 4.07, not 4.15, not 4.45, but 4 o'clock. And if you're not going to arrive at 4 o'clock, fuck, just call me. Send me a text message. Something, bro. You know? And I'm saying this personally because, obviously, according to the article, I'm from a cold, cultured place. But, like, speaking for myself, I can totally agree with that. Like, I understand things happen. I'm not talking about the unforeseen things. Traffic or, you know the kids were taking too long to get ready, or you couldn't find this, you couldn't find that, shit happens, I totally understand that, but just a complete disregard for a schedule, or the time that we agreed to do something, or go somewhere, it's like, bro, what the fuck, man, you know, so I can totally verify, at least for myself, like, uh, it's seen, not, I would, you could say it's disrespect, even though that sounds strong, but it is, it's like, lack of respect for the other person's time. And I don't like when people waste my time and I really don't like wasting other people's time. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or if it's just me though, you know? But anyway, let's continue. The next tip that they got on the list is that a cold culture guest appreciates planning and advanced invitations, right? So if somebody from a cold culture refuses your invitation, it may not be because they don't want to come. It may simply be, that uh you ask them at the last minute you know you wait until the last minute or right before the event to ask them if they want to go you wait until saturday morning to ask them if they want to go to lunch saturday afternoon right but maybe that person already has plans so that's the only reason that they say no and i can totally verify this as well it's like sometimes somebody from a warm culture might think oh he doesn't like me or oh he he doesn't want to hang out but it, you just didn't ask soon enough you know and obviously spontaneous plans and you know adventures or whatever you want to call it that's cool but I guess the point that they're trying to make and the point I'm trying to make is just to keep that in mind it's like maybe it's not that they don't want to but uh they just have other plans you know so spontaneity is great but we all got schedules and shit like that too you know so keep that in mind now the next thing they got on the list for us is what your host or guest considers honest communication you might consider to be too direct. All right, now remember they're writing this to somebody of a hot culture giving you tips on how to deal with somebody of a cold culture, All right? So if you are a warm cultured person, you might think that somebody's being too direct or you know disrespectful or mean or rude when they're just being honest. You know? So try not to take offense. Try not to get offended. And actually, you know, what they recommend is that you be grateful. You be thankful that your cold culture friend is telling you what he or she truly wants. You know? So if you ask somebody what they want or what they prefer or what they need, you might not get the answer that you want to hear. But normally, you'll get the truth. You know? And again, I can only speak for myself. But that's totally true. Because I'm not going... There are very few cases where I'm going to sugarcoat something for somebody. Now, what does it mean to sugarcoat something? Uh, well, literally, it means to coat something in sugar, like a like a cookie, for example. If you bake a cookie and then you sprinkle sugar all over the top and all over the bottom as well, you just covered the cookie in sugar. It's now coated in sugar. So when we say sugarcoat something in terms of speaking, what we mean is Instead of saying it directly, just telling somebody the way it is, saying what you have to say, you find all these extra beautiful ways, all these extra words, and this nicer way to say something so that it's easier for the other person to take and digest, right? Because it's sweeter. It's covered in sugar. It's much more pleasurable to eat a cookie that's covered in sugar, right? So that's the idea. So I'm not going to sugarcoat something for somebody. I'm just going to tell you the way it is, and again... I have to stop and think myself, is that culture or is that just the way I am? And I would say it's a little bit of both because not all Americans, uh, not not even all the people I know personally are extremely direct and not everybody's indirect either. I think that really depends on the individual. But in general, I could say, yeah, people from the cold cultures are much more direct and people from warm cultures are much less direct. (laughs) All right. Uh, let's get on to... Is this the last one? No, it's not. The next tip on the list is if your cold culture guest is staying with you overnight or for an extended period of time, he or she may enjoy having some time alone. People of cold cultures generally appreciate privacy and or a private room to sleep in whenever possible. Okay? So it's a good... It's How can I say this? It might be a good idea to start a conversation or ask, or before asking a a question that you have, you might ask your friend, you know, do you have a minute to talk? Or is this a good time to ask a question? Or, you know, do you need some alone time? Now, of course, these are very direct questions that you might feel uncomfortable asking. But I think the point they're trying to make is just remember that people of cold cultures, they really value their privacy. They don't like people invading their space or taking over their time. Or anything like that. So it could be a good idea just to check like, hey, is this a good time? You know, what's going on? Do you have something going on at the moment? Should I come back later? What do you want to do? You shouldn't just assume that every time is a good time just because you're friends, just because you're family, just because they're a guest. I think that's the point they're trying to make. Okay. Another point that they are trying to make here is that people of cold cultures may or may not include family members in invitations to socialize outside of the workplace. So be sure to indicate whether family and friends are also invited to a party that you're going to have. And again, this goes back to the idea of the adults-only party or the everyone-invited party, right? Because somebody from a cold culture, if they're an adult, you know, they're 40 years old and you invite them to a party, they might assume that the kids are not supposed to be invited or friends are not supposed to be invited. They might just come by themselves And then you're confused. It's like, well, why didn't you bring the kids? Why didn't you bring the family? It's like, well, because you didn't tell me to, you know? So a simple detail like that can cause uh, the strangest of misunderstandings, you know? It's interesting to me. Now, the last thing that they have on the list here is if you are staying with a cold culture host, be aware that in cold cultures, hospitality is often seen as something that takes the host's full attention. This is interesting, too. You know, it doesn't matter if it's for an afternoon or if it's for a week. You know, Um, people from a cold culture, including myself, when we think about hosting somebody, receiving somebody in our home, it's not something like, oh, just come in. And make yourself at home. It's like, I want to make you feel at home. I'm going to give you my full attention. I'm going to make sure that you have what you want to drink or eat. Everything you need is here. Or if it's not here, I can tell you where, when, or how to get it. You know, it's it's a, it's a task that requires all of my efforts because I want to be a good host. Whereas somebody from a completely different culture or the completely different mindset might say, hey, just come in, do what you want, man. I'll be back here. Uh, I'm cooking dinner or I'm on the computer Make yourself at home, feel comfortable. They don't necessarily think of it as I have to do all these specific things or dedicate all my time to this. It's more like come on in and you know, do what you want, your family. So it's interesting to think about, you know, your mentality, but also the way somebody else thinks about hosting you. And that was the whole point of this episode and the article in the book is to stop and consider. You know, is the way somebody treating me what I think it is or am I interpreting it interpreting it in the the correct way you know it's interesting to think about that because things that we kind of take for granted or we assume is normal just because most people from our country behave that way when you start to talk to people from other places you quickly realize it's like what you we quick you quickly realize what's already obvious we just tend to forget is that everybody's different man Everybody's different. Obviously, each individual is different, but just people from different countries or cultures, you know, it's completely different ways of life to consider and understand and, you know, not critique, but uh, analyze, let's say. It's a really interesting thing to do, in my opinion, you know, but we are already reached 44 minutes, my friend. I haven't done an episode this long in a while. So if you've made it to the end, um, before I do the outro... I would challenge you, again, just to stop and think about your culture, your mentality, you know, um, the way that you do things, the way that you communicate with people, and the way that you host people, you know, things. also things that you do as a guest. What does it mean to be a good guest where you're from or in your mind, you know? I just think it's a really interesting topic to think about and also discuss, you know what I'm saying? So, Discuss it with your friends or your language exchange partners or your family or even me. Feel free to send me a message, man. You can go to lifeinenglish.net slash contact. You can hit me up on Instagram at English with Kaizen. Reach out, man. Let's uh start a conversation. But that is finally it for this episode, man. If you've made it to the end, I'd like to say congratulations. Also, thank you for your time and attention, man. Hopefully you enjoyed. And uh, that's it for now, man. This has been another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you later. Peace.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.